Hi, and welcome to Straight Shot Radio. My name is Johnny Slick, and I'm the owner and head coach at Straight Shot Training. When you have a bad night of sleep or you get too little of sleep, you know how it affects you the next day. For people who exercise on a regular basis, you know how your workouts suffer on days when you don't sleep well and how it's much easier to recover when you do sleep well. As coaches and athletes, we spend a lot of time planning out and performing workouts. But there has been a recent shift to place more and more emphasis on recovery from workouts as well. After all, a workout is only as good as a workout that you can recover from. Electrical muscular stimulation, compression, soft tissue work, cupping, and ice baths might be pieces of the recovery puzzle, but none can compete with sleep as the most beneficial recovery technique along with nutrition and hydration. This is where sleep hygiene comes in. Sleep hygiene is the habits and practices that are conducive to sleeping well on a regular basis. In this episode, we're going to discuss the best ways to ensure a great night of sleep so you can recover from your workouts well, increase your productivity throughout the day, and improve your overall health. sleep episode. I'll be using my public radio voice for the remainder of this episode to promote a restful environment for all of you to fall asleep to. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. And I'm just, I'm just kidding. There's actually no way I could make it through this episode, or there's probably no way you could make it through this episode with me doing that. That's actually why I can't listen to public radio for that long in the car, or I will fall asleep. I promise you, I will fall asleep behind the wheel if I listen to it for more than 10 minutes. So let's get real now, and let's get into talking about sleep. We spend one-third of our lives sleeping, so we really need to make the most of that time by maximizing both our sleep quantity and our sleep quality. So in terms of exercise recovery, when we sleep, our bodies repair broken down tissue, they normalize stress and growth hormone levels, and sleep helps us maintain healthy body fat levels while also increasing our body's ability to utilize oxygen and process fuel during exercise. Honestly, we need to work on improving our sleep in the same manner that we work to improve our strength or endurance or our power in the gym. But I really don't need to spend any more time telling you why you need to sleep. Everyone pretty much understands why it's so important. So the rest of this episode, I'm going to explain how you can get more and better sleep. So let's begin with the length of sleep that you need to recover and function well throughout the day. This is both the easiest and the hardest place to start because we only have so much time. Time is a fixed asset in all of this. And the amount of sleep that someone needs depends on the person. A decent rule, though, is 7 to 8 hours. Recent research on athletes shows that 9 to 10 is optimal, but we have to weigh what is optimal versus what is realistic. We do know from research on athletes that less than 6 hours of sleep is detrimental, so let's stick with that 7 to 8 hours a night. This is how much I get every night, and something that's helped me is I use a sleep tracking app. I basically clock in when I go to sleep, and I clock out when I wake up. I have my optimal sleep time set to seven and a half hours. So if I sleep less than that, I have this clock that shows up in the app of my accrued sleep debt, how much sleep I've lost if I go several nights less than seven and a half hours. If I sleep more than seven and a half though, I can negate some of that sleep. 
debt. So I start taking away from that number if I sleep seven and a half or eight hours. Now it doesn't work if you only sleep like six hours one night or six hours like during the whole week and then you sleep like 10 on the weekends. It needs to be consistent, it's just like your diet. You really have to have consistency when it comes to your sleep. But monitoring your sleep debt is a good way to make sure you aren't falling into a pattern of missing sleep. And this way you can compare your sleep numbers to how well you're doing with your workouts or even how well you're doing with your fat loss goal or your muscle gaining goals that you have because sleep is so tied into everything that your body does efficiently or not efficiently. So this app has been very helpful to me, especially as a new dad this year, because I've actually been able to average 7.8 hours over the past nine months of my son's life. And I can look back. I've been clocking my sleep for several years now and looking back to April 27th, the night before he was born, all the way until now, uh, I've been averaging 7.8 hours of sleep. And yes, there were nights where I did not get much sleep. That's part of being a father. But I would try to nap and sleep a little bit more when I could to try to help make up for it. And there were times where there was weeks where I got much less sleep and other weeks where I, I got into a better pattern. But consistently over nine months, I've been doing pretty well with this. And I did this, and, and hopefully you can too, by setting some rules when it came to my time of sleep. Rule number one is give yourself a bedtime. If I slept less one night, I would set a hard rule of when I was going to get to bed the next night. Now, figuring out what time you need to put the kids to bed, what time you need to stop working, or when you're going to stop watching TV, get off the phone, whatever else you do before bed, and start getting ready for sleep is difficult. But it's something that you have to do if you're struggling with getting enough sleep. Is you have to kind of create some rules of, I'm going to start getting the kids ready for bed at this time. I'm going to turn the TV off at this time. No phone after this time. You have to kind of make some rigid rules for yourself at first and of course be flexible as you need to but you have to have a plan going into it or it's just going to keep spiraling out of control it's best to try to go to bed and wake up at the same time every day in order to establish a good rhythm for your body but i know that people work different work schedules and things are sometimes crazy with the kids but do the best you can to give yourself a bedtime and get on some type of routine the second rule is sleep in when possible now if i didn't have to get up to go to work at my normal time, or if I didn't have to go to work that day, whenever I was missing some sleep, I would try to sleep in an extra 30 to 45 minutes. And I still do if I don't have to go to work early. Sleep an extra 30 to 45 minutes to make sure you get enough sleep, or to add some extra onto your positive section of that sleep debt if you know that you're gonna be missing some sleep on those next couple nights or something. So use a sleep tracking app and you're going to become just as focused on hitting those numbers as you do hitting your lift numbers in the gym. And the results are just as rewarding as the strength gains that you're seeing in the gym. Now, I do understand we live in a time where working late and getting up early is glorified, but not getting enough sleep is not something you need to be proud of. Sleep deprivation is linked to overtraining, weight gain, depression, even car accidents. So change what you need to in order to get that seven to eight hours a night, or at least start working towards it. I'm sure if you audited your evening and your morning routine and really honestly really looked at what you spend your time on, you'd see that you can work towards getting a little bit more sleep if you don't already get it. Like I said, you only have so much time in a day, but you need to prioritize your sleep time more. So now that we've 
covered sleep quantity. Let's go, let's go over to sleep quality. Cause some of you get seven to eight hours a night, but just because you get eight hours doesn't mean it was a restful, rejuvenative eight hours of sleep. First thing we're gonna talk about is avoiding stimulants before bed. You can start by improving your sleep quality by avoiding caffeine, alcohol, nicotine, and other chemicals that interfere with your sleep. I try not to have any caffeine after 4 p.m. I know that kind of seems early since I'm gonna be going to bed around 10 p.m., but it does affect your sleep whether you feel that caffeine buzz or not, and whether you feel energized at 9.30 or not, it's still going to mess with your sleep if you're having caffeine too close to bedtime. Now, caffeine and nicotine and other stimulants are understood to be bad for sleep, but a lot of people think that alcohol is helpful because it makes you feel sleepy for some people, and while it is technically a depressant and it makes you feel tired sometimes at first, after a few hours, alcohol actually acts as a stimulant while you're sleeping. So it increases the number of awakenings and is generally decreasing the quality of sleep later on in the night. So try to limit your drinking to one to two drinks in a day and try not to consume them two to three hours before bed. Next, you're going to want to turn your bedroom into a sleep promoting environment. So keep it quiet, keep it dark. This means no TV in your bedroom. When people tell me that they have a hard time sleeping, I always ask if there's a TV in their bedroom, and the answer nine times out of ten is yes. Get the TV out and use night lights, dimmer night lights or dimmer lamps when you're getting ready for bed. My wife and I typically get ready for bed and use a small like table lamp in our room before we go to bed instead of having like all the lights on in the house. Light has a lot to do with our sleep cycle. So before we had alarm clocks, just, I mean, as people, before we had alarm clocks, we all used to go to bed when it was dark out and we got up whenever it was light out. And our bodies continue to do well in modern times by increasing the amount of natural light that we're exposed to during the day, so it's good to get outside, and by decreasing the amount of light that we're exposed to at night. So this is where electronics come in, or should I say, this is where electronics get thrown out. Uh, one of the greatest things you can do for your sleep quality is to stop using electronics before bed. Like at least a half hour, if not an hour or more. The more, the better, honestly. It's tough for me, and it's not as tough for a lot of you, it's tough for me running straight shot, being a full-time personal trainer. I teach at a college part-time. I produce this podcast, so I'll be honest, I'm not the best one at this, but I do stop watching TV, and I try not to check my phone too much about 30 minutes before bed. I don't like to stare at that blue light screen as I'm laying in bed. Some people will sit on their phone until they fall asleep scrolling through the Instagram feeds. That, that's really not helpful. In fact, that blue light from the electronics actually decreases your body's production of melatonin, which is essential to sleep. What does increase melatonin though is natural light, like a, like a candle light or a very dim light, which makes sense though, right? Because it mimics the sun setting and our body's response to that. So stopping the use of electronics close to bedtime also allows us to reduce the noise before bed. Again, noise is, is a stimulant and it's really not that helpful when we're trying to wind down. Another thing that will help you promote a good sleep environment is keeping your room pretty chilly. It's typically 67 degrees, 66, 67 degrees in our room where we sleep here at the Slick House. Again, Think about the sun going down at night, it gets cooler outside and that helps signal our bodies to start winding down. Your body temperature actually drops a degree or two during sleep, so a colder room will help with this. Now some studies say 60 
to 67 degrees Fahrenheit is is optimal for sleep. I really don't think my wife would let me turn the thermostat down anymore. So hey, 67, 66 degrees is going to work for me. I'll be very happy with that. So we've talked about kind of what most of the things like what not to do before bed. But now we're going to get into some things that you can do to help you sleep better. You need to ease the transition from waking to sleeping gradually. So do some things like reading with that dim light, nothing nothing too bright. Uh, take a bath or a shower. Do some foam rolling. You do some mobility work, light stretching, nothing crazy. Drinking some herbal tea, again, nothing with caffeine. Really anything that you find relaxing other than scrolling through the, your news feed or watching TV or something. Something you find relaxing that doesn't involve electronics. I like to... They, do my same routine every night. It helps kind of wind me down. This is where I prepare my overnight oats for the next morning. So oats in a jar with some uh, sugar-free maple syrup and some uh, spoonful of yogurt and some cinnamon and water. Shake it up, put it in the refrigerator. Then I make my son's bottle. So get his bottle ready. I brush and floss my teeth. I take a shower every night before bed. This routine relaxes me, and the familiarity of it allows me to basically start turning off my brain so as soon as I lay down, I'm out cold immediately. And my son has a routine as well. His routine is he gets his diaper, I put him in his PJs, I always give him his last bottle before bed, he snuggles for a while on my shoulder until he starts to get sleepy, he actually will start rubbing his face on my shoulder and that's my cue that he wants me to lay him down, he goes down to sleep and you know, most of the nights now that he's nine months old, he's sleeping through the night. If he does need to get up, that bottle that I made him earlier is in the fridge and uh, I'll grab that and either myself or my wife will feed him and he goes immediately back to sleep. And this routine helps him sleep through the night, most, ni- most nights, like I said, but if he gets off this routine, it really screws up with his sleep. So we establish these patterns to help our kids sleep. And we do this from the time they're babies and typically you have some type of routine for your kids as they get a little bit older. But then we stop as adults and we really shouldn't stop. Our routines are obviously going to have different things. I don't get a diaper and a bottle before bed. I get a shower and I might eat a snack. We'll talk about food coming up in a little bit here. But we still need to have these routines. It helps our bodies get into this natural rhythm of winding down and the rhythm of, of sleeping after after being awake and then getting a good night of sleep and then waking up and then doing the whole thing again. Our bodies like routines. One thing that is really not advisable before bed is thinking or talking about tough or stressful issues right before bed. You need to wind down both your body and your mind before bed, which is another reason not to watch TV or to look at your phone looking through all the the crap that's on Facebook until you fall asleep. All in all, we need less total stimulation and more relaxation in our routines before we go to sleep. So try to get yourself some some type of routine and make it something that's relaxing for you. Something else that you can do to set you up for a bad or a good night of sleep is napping too close to bedtime. And this kind of sounds weird though because typically more sleep is better. Napping throws off the natural sleep rhythm and gives you kind of a half charge too close to bedtime that keeps your that ends up having your body too wound up when you get up from the nap. So whenever you're trying to turn in for the night, your body really isn't ready for it and you end up having a hard time falling asleep or you keep waking up. I know some people need to nap because of work schedules. So the earlier that you can nap, the better off you're going to be. Try not to have those naps uh, hitting you too close to bedtime. 
So as I mentioned before, we're going to talk about food. Next, we have bedtime snacks. My last meal is usually a snack around 9 o'clock, so about an hour, hour and a half before I go to bed. And it's fruit and Greek yogurt with nuts or seeds. It's not hard to digest, or it's not that hard to digest, and it keeps me from waking up hungry in the middle of the night. Plus, it helps me hit my daily calories. You don't have to have a snack before bed, but if you need to hit a certain calorie goal, or if you're short on your calories, or if you know you're going to wake up hungry, go ahead and have a snack. And doesn't matter what anybody tells you, carbs after 6 p.m. will not turn into body fat. We've discussed this in a previous episode, and I'll say it again. Have a snack, whatever it is, if you if you need extra carbs at the end of the night, eat those extra carbs. Just make sure you kind of know your calories and what you're supposed to be eating and don't make it anything too heavy. Snacks can definitely help you sleep better, but it needs to be the right kind of snack. So a pepperoni pizza 20 minutes before bed, probably not a solid choice. Any food that causes you indigestion or that is basically difficult to digest should be avoided. Nothing too spicy, nothing super high in sugar, Remember, no caffeine, so try to avoid chocolate before bed. I know some people love their chocolate, but too close to bedtime, it's going to start messing with your sleep. Also, try to stay hydrated throughout the day, but try to taper that water intake off a little bit as the evening goes on because you want to be hydrated, but not so much that you have to keep waking up to use the bathroom. So if you get thirsty at night, just keep water by your bed. When you wake up in the morning, chug a big glass of water as soon as you get up, and you'll be off to a great start to get hydrated for the day. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably exercise. Most of the people who listen to it are into exercise. But if you don't, you should start doing so even just to improve your sleep, if nothing else. A recent study noted that people with minor sleep disturbances improved after four months of just brisk walking 30 minutes a day, four times a week. I know I keep going back to it, but back when humans got up when it was light out and we worked physical jobs until the sun went down and then we went to bed... That's how our bodies were designed to work, and they still work like that. We are supposed to be active throughout the day in order for our bodies to want to calm down and get that sleep to repair and regulate and recharge at night. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Just get some type of physical activity during the day, even if it's short 10-minute bouts three to four times a day. Ideally, you should be doing some type of solid strength and conditioning program with mobility and prehab work for a host of other reasons, but even just walking and moving around more will actually help you sleep better at night. And when it comes to things like supplements or medications for sleep, I approach it the same way I do dietary supplements and food. You have to have your diet dialed in in both quantity and quality terms before you even think about looking for a supplement. The same is true with sleep aids. Get enough total time, do all of the things that I listed uh, previously in this episode to try to improve your sleep hygiene. Then you can start thinking about looking for a natural sleep aid if those, all those other things aren't helping. And only after that, after trying a natural sleep aid, should you look for a uh, prescription sleep aid. Prescription sleep aids often put you in such a deep sleep that you, and, and it does it so quickly, that your body kind of stops doing the things it's supposed to do to naturally help you sleep. The result is you become dependent on the substances to help you sleep instead of your body being able to handle that process itself. Now, some people may need these, but again, try all of the other options first. There are a lot of herbal supplements out there that work alongside your body's natural sleep hormone process, but still, 
you shouldn't have to rely on them for a good night's sleep. But when it comes to natural remedies, the best two in my mind for naturally helping you fall asleep and stay asleep are valerian root and hops. Valerian root decreases your body's GABA levels, which are linked to anxiety and restlessness during sleep. It also has a mild sedative effect, helping you to wind down and get to sleep faster. Now hops, just like the same hops that are in beer, these are used to reduce what's called nocturnal activity, meaning after you fall asleep, the natural sedative chemical in the hops will help keep your brain and body more mellow so you toss and turn and wake up less. There's less nocturnal activity. Now in Germany, the combo of valerian and hops are used as a sleep aid pretty frequently, but they're less commonly used in the U.S. You can still find both at health food stores and and vitamin stores. You can find them all over the place online. So if you've done everything else that I stated earlier and you want to try to find them, uh, they aren't habit forming and they can help to give you an incredible night of sleep if you do all those other things along with it. I used hops for a a pretty long time actually uh, whenever I was going through a pretty stressful time during my wife's lung transplant recovery and they really did help me go to sleep and actually help me dream more peacefully. I actually used to have a problem with gritting my teeth a lot at night whenever I was really stressed out. And when I started taking hops and sleeping better, and then when I got more into my sleep hygiene and focusing on, on good quality sleep and long enough sleep, I don't grit my teeth anymore when I sleep. So um, yeah, it, it will help you with those types of things as well. So to recap all of this, start with getting seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Do this by setting a bedtime for yourself and audit your routine before bed to see if you can be more efficient and go to bed a little bit earlier. Next, avoid stimulants before bedtime and try to create a sleep-promoting environment for yourself. This means a cool, dark, quiet room and avoid electronics. This will help you relax and help you to avoid the bright blue lights that can dramatically decrease the quality of your sleep. Then, establish some type of pre-bed routine that promotes relaxation and winding down from the day by doing things like taking a bath or taking a shower, stretching, reading, or having a cup of tea, as long as it doesn't have caffeine in it, and try to avoid stressful thinking or stressful conversations. And again, no electronics this time when you're winding down. Remember, if you're going to take a nap, do it earlier in the day and don't make it too long. And as for a bedtime snack, keep it light and make it something easier to digest. As for water, make sure that you are hydrated, but not too much liquid in use so that you don't have to wake up as much to use the bathroom. Exercising during the day, super important. This is the body's natural waking and sleeping rhythm. So it's kind of what it wants. Try to engage in at least 30 minutes of physical activity every day that you can during the week. And then finally, when it comes to supplements, make sure you have everything else dialed in and then seek out natural sleep aids like valerian and hops to work with your body's natural restful sleep patterns. And if you need a sleep aid after that, talk to your doctor, but make sure you do all the other stuff first to try to figure that out. Keep in mind, sleep is pinnacle to your post-exercise recovery. So take this just as seriously as you do your workouts and your nutrition. And beyond helping you recover and get fitter, Sleep quality is essential in stress management, and stress management is one of the key factors in determining your longevity. The healthiest, longest living adults are the ones who sleep well and manage their stress correctly. 
Thank you so much for listening to Straight Shot Radio today. I really appreciate you taking the time to do so. And if you have a second to leave us a rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on, that would be awesome. And if you're looking for a comprehensive functional fitness program or a prehab and mobility program that you can do alongside with your current program, you can find both a subscription to Straight Shot and the Resilient program on our website, straightshottraining.com. As always, you can connect with us on social media using the handle at straightshottraining. Thanks again, and have a great week, everybody. 